What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blazers Edge podcast. Uh, this week, we're joined by a, uh, another uh, replacement co-host as we sort through uh, the process of uh, replace, replacing, which you can never re- quite replace, the fantastic uh, team mom, Parabone Biggs, TBB, uh, as my co-host likes to call her. Uh, you will recognize him from, uh, uh, I don't know, the other show that we do, uh, Blazers Outsiders, Joe Simons. What's going on, buddy? Hi, everybody. Dan, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great. It's great to see your face. Um, oh, I'm excited to talk to you about Blazers-related things. Certainly a uh, welcome distraction from what's been going on in the world. Not that we shouldn't be focused with what's going on. Obviously, it's very important, but we just wanted to acknowledge up front that we, mm-hmm. we know what's going on. Um, stand in solidarity with those getting their voices out there. I don't want to speak Absolutely. to you, but I'll speak for myself. No, no you, you, you and I are on the same page on this. Yeah. So we, we support what's going on out there as far as protesting police brutality. And, um, we just want to acknowledge that right out of the gate, make sure we, um, Address mention it. it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to be tone deaf. Um, it's, it's basically all I've been doing the last three days is, Scrolling through my phone, looking at things, retweeting people who are much smarter than me, um, listening, keeping quiet, that's donating the big thing. where I can. Listening. That's yeah. Uh, I, I've said almost nothing on on social media about it. I just either like or retweet and elevate what I can, and just and it's not that I'm I'm sitting here wanting to stay silent or not take a side. I, it's just that my voice doesn't need to be heard right now. Yeah, I mean, it's I've I've thought. A, a lot about it, about it, which is, I suppose, the point. And I see a lot of people saying, "Don't be silent, don't be silent." And I am not being silent, like you said. I'm trying to retweet and elevate other people's mm-hmm. words and get my opinions out there in solidarity with people. I'm trying to show support. And look, I'm a white guy who lives in Portland, so <laughs> it's not it's 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 not a diverse place, no. and that's just a, a fact. And I just I don't know. Um, a lot of thoughts going through my head. It's not about me, so I don't want to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. It's about the movement and what's happening out there. So I want to keep the focus there and just say that I'm thinking about you. I support mm-hmm. all of you and I love all of you and support black people. Absolutely. Simple that that's It's as simple as that. And just want to say real quick, you know, prayers go out to you. I don't care if you're a, a man or woman or otherwise of, of faith or not of faith. It's still be safe. Um, take care of you, you and yours. And, and when you, we, you can help somebody out, please, please do. That's, that's the same thing I'll, I'll always say. And we've seen plenty of, of players around the league who have taken a stand, who have made their voices heard. We've seen Malcolm Brogdon. We've seen um, Jalen Brown. We've seen Carl Anthony Towns who showed up yeah. in Minnesota, which was incredible considering his family circumstances surrounding COVID-19. Um, obviously here in Portland, uh, there hasn't exactly been a, a quiet voice here in Damian Lord. Um, so it's, it's good to see this kind of go the way it's going in a sense is that it's not being ignored anymore. Um, hopefully that continues. That's kind of where I'll get to it at. Um, I don't want to just like drop it, but also this is kind of the whole point of this week is kind of to be a respite from everything else to give everybody a little bit of a break to decompress. And like you said, the ability to get away from your phone, to get away from social media, to kind of just take a break and focus on, on something else for, for 45 minutes. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's not to, 
um, distract or, but it's just to, it's, it's to give you a break and, and focus on something else that you love and, and, and you want to enjoy and, and it's coming back and we're not shying away from it. That's why we wanted to address it in the beginning of the show. Um, but with that said, um, the NBA is coming back, Joe. It's been a, a little while since you and I have been able to uh, have mics in front of us and, and talk about this. Let's talk some hoops, man. <laughs> so what has been your overarching thought theme as far as what the league is doing, what you want them to do, how you think this will ultimately end up? I like the playbook that Gary Bettman laid out. As soon as I saw what the NHL did, I wish the NBA would jump on that. And considering a lot of the rhetoric from kind of those top 10 players who seem to have the most influence over the players union, which will ultimately dictate what happens, Dane being a part of that group. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like the prevailing narrative is they want some regular season games, shake the rust off. Don't want any team to have an advantage. You know, if you have teams that are lower down that get hot and get on a run, let's say the Spurs, it's not going to happen, get hot and all of a sudden make a run and they're playing a lot of games in a buildup to a series with a top seed like the Lakers. Perhaps the Spurs have an advantage over the Lakers and they're trying to squash that. So to get back to the NHL thing, what they were doing is top four seeds in both conferences, they move on to the semifinals or quarterfinals, mm -hmm. whatever the second round of the playoffs would be. And then five would play 12, six would play 11, seven would play 10, eight would play nine. And you get that sort of preliminary, okay, we need to decide these final seeds. Then we get into the quote unquote real playoffs. I like that idea a lot. I like the idea of getting right into a postseason, ending the regular season, but that seems pretty unlikely. That doesn't really seem like a possibility given what mm -hmm. I've seen over the past four or five days. So that being said, giving the teams an opportunity to warm up seems like we're going to have a regular season and then a postseason because I don't think there's any chance we reduce the number of games in the postseason, at least based on what I've heard so far. No. Um, the wild thing is two weeks ago, we were talking about six or 10 regular season games. And then those regular season games just went poof out of nowhere. Like, Nope, straight to the playoffs. We'll do something different like a, a round Robin or a play in tournament, but, da, da, da. but now all of a sudden we're back to, eight regular season games, like how that ping pong ball has gone back and forth has been pretty weird. And this is going to make sound a little bit weird, but I'm kind of disappointed in Adam Silver in that he has him been, and really the league has leaked everything and they haven't led at any point in this. They haven't said, this is what we want to do, or this is how we're going to do it. It's, it's they're probably three weeks behind what they should be as far as making a decision. And they've said it so many times and they've said, you know, or they've de facto said, this is what we want to do. And then they, they get feedback and then they get getting, not that feedback's a bad thing, but at some point in time, you have to put your foot down and be like, no, this is what we're going to do. The NHL just said, no, this is what we're going to do. Major League Baseball is doing, I, I don't even know. That's, that's a nightmare. The NFL is like, what are the NFL? We're going to do whatever the hell we want to do. So we're going to have fans. What are you going to do with that? We're going to play on time. Like they're, they're, they're just big swinging in the room. But the NBA has just been like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I, like at some point in time, a decision has to be made. Now they're saying it's going to happen this Thursday. And that the one thing that we have gotten out of this is that July 31st is going to be the resume date. That seems to be the one singular thing that we kind of know at this point in time. But I mean, that feels kind of late, doesn't it? I suppose it does. I'd like to see 
okay, if July 31st is the start date, what's the start date of the next season? And what's everything in between? Because mm-hmm. I don't, I'd be very surprised if they put out a July 31st start date and they have an NBA final start date for the end of this season, but they don't have something set up for next season. Because to me, that's almost the most important part, right? Begin of, begin of regular season, however many games that's going to be. Begin of playoffs, begin of NBA finals, then draft free agency, kind of whatever order that's going to be. I've heard they may flip-flop that. And then getting into training camp and then next season. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, if you're at a point where you're starting the next NBA season in 2021, I think then perhaps you're getting into, okay, well, then when's the finals next year? And then because don't, don't you think it kind of sets up to dictate the schedule of seasons going, going forward? forward? 100%. Uh, I've been of the mind ever since the season stopped that if they were going to resume play, this would be the time when things would change, when the NBA would move to a Christmas or around Christmas start date. Fabulous. Yeah. Who's, who's not in favor of that, by the way? I mean, Isn't the, that what we all want to have? I think we do. And then there's the, the, the whole idea of do you want – real basketball, the playoff basketball, the end of season basketball to be being played in late May, June, July, kind of taken away from some of the summer. That's always kind of been the, the hesitation there. Like what will that do to, and I'm talking from a corporate standpoint, what will that do to ratings? Will people be willing to stay inside during their summers to watch the NBA? And I think that's a legitimate question. It is a legitimate question. Um, I think the answer is yes. It's mm-hmm. just something that we're not used to. Uh, selfishly, I'm worried about it affecting pickle season, but that's my own stuff. I can and, deal and with golf. that. And golf. Oh, don't even get me started on the golf, Danny. <laughs> what time's your tea time today, Joe? <laughs> yeah, it's at, uh, I, got, I got two hours, so we got we to keep this quick. <laughs> um, well, it was funny because I was actually joking with Chad doing about – you know, because the Blazers were look like that, maybe they're not gonna make the playoffs. Yeah. Our golf season's gonna start a lot sooner because yeah. last year golf season got delayed. It got pushed the Blazers back. Made, yeah, the Western Conference Finals. Um, something I wanted to ask you about a point you made earlier. What do you think is the reason for the NBA dragging their feet? Do you think it is because every GM is proposing a solution that best fits their organization, mm-hmm. or is it because certain GMs have certain influence that others do not? And those are the loudest voices in the room, or is it owners putting pressure on their GMs to say a certain thing? It just feels like there's a lot of voices, but everyone is going to ultimately push for what they want the most. Everybody's going to talk about having a mutual agenda, right? Of like, oh, it's what's best for the league. No, it's always about self-interest. And that's not just the billionaires. That's literally every level of life. You're always going to have your own vested self-interest, your own biases. It's just how much of it and how loud are you and how effective you are. Here's the difference. Adam Silver, I like, I, I like him. I, I, I like what he's done for the most part. But one thing Adam Silver has never been is a iron fist. He is not a guy who – I don't think he's a – honestly, I think he's a fantastic number two. I think that in that role, but when it comes to absolute unequivocation of decision-making, David Stern will reign supreme there forever. But don't you think it's the sort of thing where – it's, it's like the old sports adage. When you have a player-friendly coach who doesn't work out, you bring in someone oh, with yeah. an iron fist. And it's the Always. same with the commissioner. Mm-hmm. What was David Stern? He was the iron fist guy. I'm in charge. Listen. But he brought in Adam Silver to kind of balance himself out. And he was the heir apparent for a mm-hmm. long time before he eventually took over. And, you know, that just shows David Stern's influence. Now, you would know this a lot better than I, and perhaps it's not a thing, but is there a person who is – 
sort of the number two, maybe a little farther down the pecking order, who has a public profile, kind of like Adam Silver did. I know Adam Silver is very, what, he's been the commissioner six, six years now at this point? Maybe six, seven. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been enough time to where he's established who he is and how he operates. Right, but there's not someone in the NBA office, to your knowledge, who was balancing no. him out. in. This uh, I mean, there have been guys in the past, like the Stu Jacksons, who are, um, and then you've got a guy like Kiki Vandeweghe, who has been in charge of player conduct, who, not necessarily a hard ass, but has been very blunt and, and forward with how they've, they've handled things. But I haven't seen a stern type operating in the NBA office or heard of that um, as far as that counterbalance. So, well, that's a, and that's where, you know, I hate to say it because it, it kind of hurts. This is where somebody who had been an owner for basically ever and was the voice of the owners, Paul Allen, would be very valuable uh, as far as, you know, being that continuation be- between the, the two commissioners and having all the experience and being one of the longest tenured owners in the league and, and obviously one of the richest. Um, yeah. Having that, I think, matters. And, and, and I mean, you look around the league, there's a lot of new owners and they're, I don't know how much they do or don't have the vested interest in the league as opposed to the vested interest of the valuation of their franchise, right? Yeah, I mean, that was always my take whenever I saw a Woj or Shams put out a tweet that said, okay, well, these people are going to discuss this thing. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. the Hawks GM is going to do what's best for the Hawks, and the yeah. Knicks are going to do what's best for the Knicks. And the well, Thunder's I mean, what's best for the Thunder. Well, the Knicks are going to do what's best <laughs> for James Dolan. Yeah, I was, saying, I was like, ah. I don't know if the Knicks are going to do it best. Bad example. Because that's, that's, that hasn't happened in 20 years. So do you uh, think we're actually going to get an answer on Thursday? It feels like they've said, this is the date we're actually going to tell you guys what's going on. No, th- that, that was the thing. Is that I think that the message got out there that they needed to say something because it hasn't been official. Like there was the, we heard from Shams that, you know, that, that uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, twixt, their twixt, text message went out. And then that got out. Yeah, a couple of people are like, oh no, that didn't happen. It's like, guys, we already had like fourteen people confirm that it did. And like, what are we trying to protect by disputing yeah. that either? It doesn't make it, any sense. You're you're doing the same thing that literally every union everywhere does. Let's it's a <laughs> quick straw poll of yeah. like, hey, how do we feel about this? Do we need to address this or can we just move on? Like, but yeah, they didn't like fine. The, they didn't like the fact that the wording wasn't professionally written by somebody illegal. And it's like, guys, it's okay. Like those are the kind of things that should be happening. You should be gathering that information because it got out there. Now you're backpedaling on it. It's like, but that's, that, that's I think that kind of what set the precedent of like, guys, what are you doing? Stop getting this leaked to the media. Like plug your leaks, know who you're talking to speak. Don't email all like owners only like check your email distro lists. What are we doing here? Stop including the, the assistant PR guy. Okay. Like that's yeah. just, that's, that's how this stuff gets out. Like, stop doing that. So um, they need to, they need to have a, a foot needs to come down. That, that's what needs to happen. Now, will we hear between now and Thursday eighteen different things? Unabashedly, yes. We are going to the one. There, excuse me. There's two things that I think that we know for certain right now, or as near to certain as possible. July 30, 31st will be the start date, and there will be at least twenty teams. That's. It's Zion and Dame. You have two of the most marketable players in the entire league on the outside looking in right now. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. And guess what else they are? They're small markets. So 
This is the NBA tossing the proverbial bone saying, all right, small markets, here you go. And they're, they're getting the, they're getting their money's worth out of it and getting Damon Zion in the playoffs. Yeah. It's, this is definitely a, a quid pro quo for both sides. So, I mean, I don't, it's going to be silly to sit here and speculate what, what we think the league is going to do. They're going to find out on Thursday. Um, but do you think there's any chance, any chance that they just cap it at 16 and say, let's go? No, no. The, the, the wording and the messaging from players like Dame where everybody saw it and from what I've heard has happened quietly is that those, those two teams are getting in. The Pelicans and the Blazers are getting in. And I, I haven't heard good. anything otherwise for the past. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, good. The small market team wins out for once. Suck at LA. Like I, I, I don't care. I, I, you know, if, if the Lakers come out of this and they stumble and fall on their face, on their face against somebody, I'll love the hell out of it. And then they can whine, cry and scream and all that stuff. And we'll move on. Cause I won't care. <laughs> I, I just loved what Dame did with Chris Haynes. It's, I guess it was oh the leverage play. It was so smart because for him to frame it the way that he did meant that to speak out against Dame means that you're questioning his desire, mm-hmm. his leadership, and him wanting to keep Safety. himself safe. Yep. Exactly right. Oh, anybody who didn't read between the lines there, guys, Dame Lillard is maybe the most media savvy guy in the entire league. He doesn't just say stuff. He has never just said stuff. Every one of his post-game interviews is honest, succinct, and conveys a point when he talks about – he never throws anybody under the bus, but he will always find a way to get a little bit of a message through. Always. And you and I have had – we've covered how many games together now? 200? Hundreds, yeah. <laughs> and what do we always talk about? Who is the best guy in that lo- – well, Myers was, is, was, was that guy with Dame, but – it's Dame, and then it's nobody else. Yeah, I mean, just it's been such a treat just to listen to Dame mm-hmm. for as long as he's been here and to continue to sort of ascend to this leadership level that, you know, look, I'm only 34, 35. I'm not going to pretend like I remember how Clyde was in the locker room, but Dame does it a different way. And I think it was the wild one who put it out on Twitter and basically mm-hmm. saying this is why Dame is the greatest blazer of all time. Because for him to come out and make a statement like this gets movement from the NBA and you wouldn't have seen other players who we consider to be in that conversation make that sort of statement that would also have the leverage to actually get action to from To actually it. matter. The only other player that the Blazers have ever had who had that kind of cachet was Clyde. And he's not a, he wasn't a guy who talked. No. And, and when we talk about the cultural impact of Dame, we're not just talking about the lovey, feel good, makes everybody come together stuff. We're talking about how he impacts things on a league level. That matters. And I think, honestly, we, you need to give CJ McCollum some credit there, too, as, as a voice for the MVPA. He has been on that kind of level for a while as far as making things happen. But Dame has more cachet. So, and he's, this isn't the first time he's put it on the line. But... I, like I'm gonna, we're going to touch on this a little bit because it's funny. Dan Orlovsky, who genuinely is as an NFL guy, is good. He's and that's what was so surprising about it. I think he's actually quite good on yes. Twitter. I'm like, oh no, what are you doing, dude? He, he went with a drive-by entitled brat and yeah. 
Oh my God. Especially when he did it to not recognize what's going on in the United States of America. All you have to do is open your eyes and see what's happening. And Dude. to make that statement about a black man, what are you doing? What an idiot. I mean, and the thing is, like, if he wanted to say that about an NFL player that he's well versed on and all that kind of stuff, and and maybe it is right, maybe it's maybe it's it's a diva type player who's just Let's throw a name out there. I don't know. Antonio Brown. Um, not that my Raiders ties are frustrated at all. I was going to say um, Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> hey, come on now. Aaron's my guy. Um, but that would have been like, okay, it's whatever. You know, the NFL folks would have had their say. But, like, to come out and say that about Damian Lillard. Yeah, is Dan Orlowski staying up to watch Blazer games? Give me a break, dude. <laughs> or literally read a single thing about Damian Lillard off the court. I like, love that even despite what's going on, one little statement like that and Blazer's Twitter just oh, like just it was just it was ended. the elbow on fire, just burned it all to the ground. Normally I don't even get involved with that stuff. I just kind of sit back and like, ah, bro. Like, but I'm like, you wouldn't dame with that? Yeah. Like if you want to talk about how you don't like his album or something like that, like a tired take like that, but entitled spoiled brat of Damian Lillard who gives back at like literally every opportunity who you have to basically give the stage hook to, to yank him off the floor and who didn't say he wasn't going to go to Florida. He just said, he's not going to play in basically what amounts to exhibition games, which how many NFL players play every preseason game? Who's a star. Do they play one or two? When, when the Lakers were out of playoff contention, was LeBron playing game 80, 81, 82? No, he was sitting on the bench. Why is it any different? And guess what? There wasn't a worldwide pandemic happening when LeBron was doing that. His team was just garbage. Yeah, it's just uh, – I, I don't want to give this one thing too much time, but it was just like – I know. What are we doing here? This, it was just such lazy garbage. It was drive-by – you want to talk about the whole – God, I hate him saying it out – the whole fake news – media twist and drive-by media that everybody clickbait that everybody just says is so pervasive this was a literal example of it that we don't usually get like it was like skip bayless has bad takes that he portrays as good tv but i don't see it go personal all that often and for a guy like Orlovsky, who again is good on tv and usually really good on twitter to not Talk about the game or the impact of that, but to go personal, that crossed a lot of different boundaries for me. Yeah, it's it's how he said it. And even if you're going to come out and criticize Dame for not wanting to play in those games or, you know, keeping it from a pure basketball perspective, mm-hmm. to attack his character in that way was just so ignorant. That's the best word for it. It was yeah. a totally ignorant lazy. thing to do. It's lazy. The lazy and entitled person in this whole conversation is Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. And it sucks that it happened. He got buried for it, rightfully so. He did be like, you know what? I, I screwed this up. He didn't delete the tweet. He left it up there, which, again, I know people are like, oh, so what? He still needs to get – listen, you, you, you want to dunk on him? That's fine. But at least he was like, you know what? That, that – that was pretty dumb. That was on me. That's my bad. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, Dame doesn't have to him. accept it, but no, you don't. I mean, good for him for saying it, keeping it up there and, and, and taking the, take flat, it, but, taking the dunk. <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, it's still dumb. It, it doesn't mean it wasn't a dumb statement to begin with, I guess is my final take on it. All right. So we're walking back to some of the questions we had that I put out there. This is from uh, Jeremy Kreklow at Strife. What are your thoughts on the 20 team World Cup style group stage format with each team only playing eight games? I personally love it. It minimizes risk as much as possible. Every game will feel important. Then after the group stage going down to eight teams feels like the safest, excuse me, safest route. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Joe? So how many teams are we starting with in that scenario? I believe it's 20. Yes. Okay. That's the 20. So that's, that's the 16 plus the four Western conference teams. So that's Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Sacramento. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fun. I don't want to do a, okay, let's bring everyone back and we're going to start with the records the way they are. And we give teams a chance to climb back into the playoff structure. Like this is an opportunity to experiment and do weird mm-hmm. stuff like this. And you know, I don't like it. I know you're a much bigger fan of it than I am. But it seems like this would be really the only opportunity they would have to practically try to recreate and put out there the in-season tournament mm-hmm. that they've talked about, which I think is really dumb, but if they're going to do it. If you're <laughs> gonna like, do they're going to do it. But here's the thing. I guess what doesn't make any sense to me is if you're going to do an in-season tournament and say the model of it is for what we did for this postseason, then are you still awarding the NBA championship for this tournament, but you're not going to award the NBA championship for this tournament in the midseason next year. Like it gets into this weird gray area of what are we actually trying to settle here? Are we trying to settle the 2019, 2020 season? Because if we're doing that through a tournament, the tournament, the team who wins that tournament gets the NBA championship trophy. They're the NBA champion. So what does the winner of the team get for the in-season tournament the following year? If you're also going to have, obviously, the playoffs and the finals to conclude the 2020 and 2021 season. I guess that's where my brain starts to melt a little bit because I don't really know what we're awarding here if we're doing the tournament that's also going to be the NBA finals in a sense. So I get what you're saying. I'm not necessarily in favor of the World Cup style tournament fully for deciding this, this title. I think a round robin style group stage tournament to start things off makes sense. And then you go into seven, seven, like that is what makes the most sense to me. Um, but tell me it wouldn't be fun as hell to see, I don't know, Houston get knocked out immediately. I mean, not that I would, I would care when one way shape banner form, but as NBA fans, we love to complain about stuff. We're all going to complain about the group we're in. It's going to oh, be yeah. fantastic. Here's the way. And here's the thing. You're talking about, oh, the season shouldn't matter. Da, da, da. And I'm like, what's the season? Like, by the time we start, that was 120 days ago? Yeah. Like, I get it, but this is different. So why not get a little spicy? Why not do something different? And I was saying this to you in January, February, before the pandemic. Like, if they're going to do something spicy, like they should just do it now. If they're like, not going to do it now, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Ever. Never going to happen. No. And there's, there's, and there's like, like, I just think that you talk about, well, will anybody be interested in watching that? We watched 16 seeds in the NCAA tournament who you couldn't tell me where they are unless the location is in their school name. Joe, how many people do you think could tell me where Iona is? Um, that's in New York, isn't it? Yes. But how how many people do you think could genuinely do that, filling out a bracket? I mean, ten percent. Yeah, less. I got lucky, folks. I'm not. I I know. And the only reason you knew that was because Iona was in the news because of Rick Pitino. 
That's the yes, only that's reason. Why. That is okay. literally the only reason you knew that. <laughs> You're right. I was wondering how I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but again, Think about how much interest that gets. That'd be fun. And now you're going to do that with LeBron James or Giannis? Are you kidding? Yeah. It'd be yeah. Great. It'd be great. I mean, I guess Blazer fans, it's just we have this opportunity. We have like six weeks, right, where we're going to sit there and say, we're getting Nurk back. We're getting Zach back. And that's really been the whole mode of Blazer fans all season was, well, just wait till we get Nurk back. And now it's actually going to happen, and there's going to be a format dun, that the dun, Blazers dun, dun, are going to be involved in. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm excited. Anything that happens, I'm excited. But I guess to your point, spice it up a little bit. If you're going to do it, the time is now. Experiment. That's right, folks. You just heard Joe Simon say, I was right. It happens. It happens. I don't mind saying you're right. Every now and then. But you know, in true host fashion, you're, you're giving me the great segue here. Uh, Andre Goldbrook says – or ask, what do you think the chances are the Blazers do anything in the playoffs with a healthy Dame, Nurk, and Collins? I will caveat this and say that we got our first real news on Collins the other day from Damian Lillard when he was asked if those guys were coming back, and he responded, most definitely, and he talked about Nurk. Obviously, Nurk's ready. Nurk is, has been ready to go since, like, February, guys, just, just so we're clear. Um, but when you look at Zach, our original timeline, and I, I, obviously you and I have talked about this a ton, was sp- supposed to be reevaluated in the beginning of the March. The beginning of March, Dane said that basically he wasn't ready, and that he was still probably a month out from being ready to go. And that makes sense. We heard nothing about Zach, no. which only, only means one thing: it wasn't going great. And when I got, and you and I talked about this, I got to go see him during pregame warmups, and you could see he was still trying to build some of that strength back. You could see kind of a hitch every now and then when he'd throw a pass where he just didn't want to, didn't want to work a hundred percent. And with a shoulder dislocation or labrum, anything like that, what's the one thing it has to be, Joe? Hundred percent, absolute hundred percent. But if anybody's benefiting from ninety to one hundred twenty days off, it's probably the guy that was supposed to be due, you know, sixty days ago. That's the thing, man. There's no reason not to let our imaginations run wild with how the Blazers could be. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the rotation, and regardless of who you have starting, you know, Nurk and Zach coming off the bench starting, either way, it doesn't really matter. Because if they're starting, then you have Whiteside and Mello coming off the bench. If they're not, then you have Nurk and Zach coming off the bench. You have this really crazy young core. Say you need someone to just light a fire in everyone's ass and you send Wenyan out there for three, four minutes to just <laughs> dive around. To do Wenyan things. Yeah, like, like a superhero. I mean, you have a lot of fun pieces and potential combinations to put out there that could be very effective. Let's not forget what Gary Trent Jr. did down the stretch for the Portland Trail Blazers. Who knows? Maybe Ant has been building his confidence back up, getting to a point where he could be an incredibly effective role mm-hmm. player once again, there's a lot to look toward and say, wow, if things break right for Portland, they could make another run. I, I, you know what? I'm going to say, I don't care. They can make another run back to the Western Conference Finals. Why the hell not? Things also, conversely, could go really bad. That could happen too. <laughs> but I think they're, the variance uh, is wild. It's humongous because there's so many unknowns, but I can't imagine a team benefiting more from this time off considering they were out of the playoffs when the pandemic hit and everything got suspended to where they potentially could be now with an opportunity to play themselves back in. 
and also healthy. much healthier than they were. They'll have everyone save Rodney, which I mean, Rodney was a very large piece. Yeah. The first but, 20 games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was shooting 50% from the field and from three. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty decent. And it's kind of funny. Steve DeWald and I last week talked about who could really benefit from the return to basketball in this time off. Uh, how about Anthony Simons playing in his backyard? Yeah. He, he's in Orlando. That's, that's, that's where he's from. Like it, if they're playing at the wide world of Disney, um, pretty easy to, to go home at night, you know? And uh, I mean, depending on what the levels of quarantine are, but look, I speaking mean, as a Simons, when you have mama Simons cooking for you, it's a big advantage in your life. I understand this. Anthony understands this. Yes. So literal home cooking. So again, you're, you're just teeing these up for me. You, when you talked about who's starting, uh, Andre had a follow-up question with who do you think starts between Nurk and Whiteside, Collins and Mello? I mean, we have the same answer here, don't we? I mean, there's the Nurkic question, which uh, I would I, I, I would take a very large sum of money and put that on Yusuf Nurkic starting. Starting? Yes. Really? Yes. See, I was gonna have the opposite. Really? I think I think it's gonna be Whiteside and Mello. Okay, the mellow one, I, I, I tend to agree because I don't think uh, 16-year NBA veteran Carmelo Anthony is uh, seeding way for uh, Zach Collins. No, and that's the, it's not a shot at Zach. It's the fact that Mello was in the league, you know, when Zach was born, basically. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of like that veteran card, and, and he came in off the couch, and, and he played well. So no, Dan, you misspoke. Mello wasn't on the couch. He said that many times. How dare you make that accusation? He came off the couch <laughs> and l- let's be honest. He may be the best off the couch player in NBA history Yeah, to come in and start and play 37 minutes a night. Like that's just bonkers. Yeah. But you think Hassan starts? I do. Even though we've had this period where everything has sort of, stopped i still think that you cannot have hassan whiteside come off the bench this season because you're still in the confines of this season i think you have a better possibility of having nurk be nurk off the bench than you do having hassan be hassan off the bench hassan is going to view that as a demotion there is no way that he can look at that and say well i'm still the guy around here even if everyone knows he's not the guy, Hassan has to think he is the guy for him to play at a certain level. And I think Nurk has the ability to swallow the pride and the ego and sit on the bench. Danny is in violent agreement. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to have Nurk, uh, Nurk has been in this situation before. It didn't go well. Yeah, but he didn't have Dane before. That, that does matter, certainly. Um, but my suspicion is that uh, Nurk does need to be not necessarily not coddled. Coddle isn't a, the right word. Uh, reinforced, given that vote of confidence that yes, you are our guy. And I think the way to do that is to be, hey, Nurk, you get to start, but until you show your minute ready as far as like playing more than 20 a night, Hassan gets the closing minutes. And I think that's the way you go about it. I think that serves both in that 
Nurk is the guy who gets the not necessarily token start, but kind of the the award. The it kind of goes along with that of like, hey, you can't lose your starting spot to injury. Here you go, you're back. Where to keep Hassan happy and to keep him, like you said, motivated to be the guy. He's the guy in the closing lineup, barring foul trouble or you know those couple games where he wasn't out there. So, do you think? Things would have been different if we didn't have this, I don't know, it's going to be what, four months four, four months in between games? Because Nurk was going to come back, obviously, the Sunday before they canceled everything. Mm-hmm. Do, you think this, do, you, do you think Nurk would have started on March 15th is my question? Yes. Really? Yeah. I remember, remember what my, my whole thought process was, you put him in the same mode that he was in before he went down, which is you let him warm up, you get him going, and then you get him into the game for six, seven minutes, and then you let him sit on the bench. And you use the second half, you let him warm up, you get him going, you let him play six, seven minutes, and that's how you get to your 15 or so minutes. But you put him in the same pattern, you put him in the same familiar spot of taking that jump ball in, to start the game and working in that pick and roll with Damian Lillard. And I think that those were the, mo- the most important keys and I think that was the kind of thing that kind of spreads throughout the team, right? Because when Nurk's got that little bit of swagger, I think the whole team feeds off of that. And Hassan would have ultimately got the minutes, but it would have been more about getting Nurk more back into being Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, I mean, the dynamic between Nurk and, and Whiteside is not something I know a ton about, but it feels like it's probably more competitive than it is congenial yeah i would ambivalence would be the word i would use really just more of we're both portland trailblazers but we're not friends we're not enemies we're just on the same team yeah i I would i would put it in in that realm because i mean they're trying to take food off each other's plate to put it in in a a very simple term well one thing i would like about nurk starting is all of the white side is better than Nurk stuff that I was seeing um, sort of on Twitter <laughs> that just enraged both of us because it's insane. Yeah. How quickly we forget what Nurk did. I mean, the Nurk, the, the game Nurk went down, his line was bonkers. Incredible. Like yeah. Nurk was in this stretch where he was like, I mean, I, I know I like to hype Nurk up, but he was legitimately he was in seven, the conversation for a third team, all NBA. Like he was playing at that yeah, level. He was 17, down. 12 and three. Uh, yes. 17, 12, four and three. He was averaging almost four assists and three blocks for us to suggest uh, that Hassan Whiteside was better than Yusuf Nurkic at any point is crazy. I think Hassan Whiteside serves a purpose and I guess I'll just close what I have to say on this by just saying, I'm worried about how Hassan is going to handle Nurk being the man, no matter what. And that's the thing is what if Hassan does start, but Nurk is all of a sudden getting closing minutes. But that it's, it's still the same situation of – so that's why I think that the, ultimately the, the way that you deal with it is you control what you can control, which is starting Yusuf Nurkic. And then there are more – I think it's easier to control somebody's minutes as a starter. Yeah. So No, I think that's good. Well, I can't wait to find – we're actually going to find out, which is the best. Soon. Yes. Less, less than 60 days now, so – um, all right. This is one you and I were, were talking, we were talking about before the show. I actually, this one got in. I didn't see it when it came in from, uh, the Under Armour Gamer. Can you please tell me why Shane Brennan did not come back? He was a fun guy. Oh, Shane. He is such a fun guy. He is. Isn't he? he I that, love that, Shane. That, that, unabashedly. That is our guy. 
Yes. So, okay. Um, there was like a weird assumption through people that like on blazer Twitter, yeah. that, like there was some sort of falling out between the three of us, which is now, ridiculous, which, which is crazy. Um, I don't want to speak specifically to like Shane left for a, B and C. No. I mean, Shane made a decision. He's no longer on the show. It had nothing to do with our relationship. The three of us in any way, shape, matter or form. We know text call zoom. Yeah. Shane, have beers together. Shane may dispute this, but I'm not going to let him because he's a dear friend. <laughs> he's a dear friend to the both of us. Whether and, he wants to admit it or not. Yeah. And I guess I'm glad this was brought up just because I just want to say that there is no animosity between the three of us. The reason Shane left the show had nothing to do with our dynamic. We love Shane. Mm-hmm. We loved him being on the show. He's a dear friend. We had There's a lot many of fun. times where we're like, God, I wish we had Shane right now. Yes. There are so many things that happen where we're like, oh, I wish Shane was sitting. This is a perfect this Shane is, moment. This is just softball for him. Just here you go. Go ahead and yeah. tee this one up and, and have fun with it. So, and, and, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because there are so many shows out there where mm-hmm. the hosts despise each other. Radio so, and TV. Yes. Yes. I'll speak from a personal experience. <laughs> I was the afternoon news anchor at KXL Radio for two mm-hmm. and a half years. And the highest ratings I ever got was with a woman who it got so bad between us off the air. We literally did not talk to each other off the air for four days. There was no talk. Nothing was said. It was silent when a story was playing <laughs> over the air. It was a miserable experience. It was a terrible four months. I came home and would just stare ahead blankly thinking, how did my life get to this point? <laughs> but the ratings were great. And people, the worst part about it, Dan, people told us how good we sounded on the air together. And every time they said that, it was like sticking a knife. Just twisting a little bit further in into my the spine. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not to say that the show hasn't been successful. Outsiders, we've, we've been fortunate enough where the ratings Somehow they good. keep coming up and keep coming back, baby. Exactly right. <laughs> but um, So my point with all of that is to say there are times, a lot of times, when hosts don't like each other, they don't get along. This is one of the rare situations where me, Dan, and Shane actually genuinely enjoy each other's we company. We spent five, six hours a night together. Yeah. When we were doing the pre- and post-game show, that was a long, especially when you're in like – Three three games in four days. That's a lot of time to spend. More with time people. with each other than with our significant others. Exactly right. Um, yeah. So I I miss Shane. I I miss him being around. I miss him taking way too long to order Postmates. <laughs> You've never seen someone more indecisive about ordering delivery food. He'd ask oh, me what wow. I'm getting, Dan what he's getting, and then we'd be in the third quarter, and he would just be there like up. Throw his hands up like well, I guess I'm not eating tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's like what are you doing, Shane? But. I love Shane to death. Um, yes. He'll never hear this, but I still love him. Oh, no, we're going to tag him. I'm going to tag him in it now. Oh, you are? Okay. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right. Oh, jeez. But, yeah, we, we, we did – I've had people and you've had people ask us this. Yeah. Since the announcement was made for this season. And you never really quite knew if it was appropriate or what to say or how to say it. But I mean, it's Shane's, it's, it's Shane's story to say. If yes, you want exactly. to get details, that's, that's fine. It's just – it, it wasn't like we had a falling out in any way, shape, matter, or form. Yeah, there wasn't like a night that ended at 1 a.m. at the Rialto with us taking a swing at each other. Like, I'm sure that's probably what people thought, but. Yeah, yeah, no, that and maybe like a throwing of a chocolate cake, but I don't know. <laughs> that was a Yule log, Dan. Don't you remember? <laughs> 
best moment of the show's history. It, it was, and one one of these days they'll 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 do a, a behind the scenes of it. We'll get the full release of the Yule Log, <laughs> the true Hollywood story, Christmas 2018. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I'm gonna end, we'll, we'll end on this so you can get out of here. Overall takeaway from what you think they should do, what they will do, um, and how the Blazers will come out of this. Um, yeah, I think what they will do is something more conservative than we'd probably like. Mm. I think it's going to be like you know, 74, 76, 78 games, something like that. Um, I bet they bring back like 20 four ish teams they'll they'll make a determination of this is how many games back that it's feasible for a team to actually make up over x amount of games and they'll bring those teams back they'll play some version of regular season games it'll be a little more blah than we want it to be if that is the case it obviously doesn't bode well for the blazers because they're three and a half games back of memphis so if they take that it's going to be tough to make up that ground unless Portland does have the opportunity to play Memphis twice, which is what was on the schedule. Yeah. But, you know, considering what games do they take? Exactly. It's there's a lot of calculus involved with that scenario. But I, my gut just tells me that's what they're going to end up doing, which sucks for Portland, because ultimately, I think if they go to any sort of regular season format, even if they give them eight to ten games, three and a half games, as me and Danny have talked at nauseum about half games. That's a lot to make up. It's yeah. a lot to make up in a short span. And even if Portland went like eight and two or nine and one over that stretch, it still, still might not helped. be enough. Yeah. So this, what is it? They had what? 16 games remaining. I think is what it was. Three and a half doable. Like that's not, that's not impossible. You get down to like 14, 12, 10. You're like, ah, it gets a little bit more difficult. Anything under 10, you need so much help because not only do you, you have to make up four, like you have to go for for to win this out. You've got to go ten and zero. They go six and four. Yeah, and especially if you don't get the opportunity to play the team that is directly twice. ahead of you twice, then it becomes a big uphill climb. Yeah, and then you're you're, you're fighting, you know, and hoping and praying. And that then that's what kind of ties us back to Damon Lillard saying, "I want a real shot." Because he did have 16, him and the Trailblazers did have 16 games remaining. That is a real shot. And everybody talks about don't drop games to crappy teams. Yeah, that's a valid point. But you also aren't figuring in for a pandemic and you think you have your 16 games remaining. So, all right, man, uh, go ahead and uh, plug the uh, plug, plug the podcast and, 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 then, and get out of here and go get your golf going. Yeah, look, if you're uh, listening for fun golf talk during these times. It please, is fun golf talk. Please check out At The Turn. Um, it's available on all major podcast platforms. Enjoy it. It's fun. We have a, we have a silly time talking about golf. Um, Danny, thank you for having me on. Thank you, Um, buddy. Great. Great to be your co-host once again, even if it's just over a zoom call. Uh, I do, I do want to add just on a serious note, just to reiterate what we talked about at the jump. Um, Thanks for listening to this. Uh, this was a nice diversion just to talk with a friend like Dan about sports for a while. Um, the news has obviously been consuming as it should be. Um, and I just support what's happening out there. Um, Black Lives Matter. Um, just be kind to each other. End police brutality. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you soon on the uh, boob tube. Well said, buddy. Go ahead and let them know where they can find you on social media. At Joe Simons says. 
It's not Joe Simmons says, it's Joe Simon says. You know how to spell Simons. That's how you spell Anthony's last name. There you go. Uh, thanks, man, for joining us. You can find me on social media at Danny Marang, at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G, up and down for all the social media platforms. Uh, and when basketball returns, and uh, I believe we're still contractually obligated, Joe and I will have you every post game uh, for NBC Sports Northwest on Blazers Outsiders for the remainder of the 2019-2020 NBA season. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm going to be better about this. Please like, rate, subscribe, do all that stuff. That does actually matter. Our, uh, you know, the stuff that we get out of doing this comes from that. So please do go do that. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you guys. Stay safe out there, support each other, love each other, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.